We are in, are in week three of our series on 10 values that build strong lives as we look at the 10 commandments. The third commandment can be, can be summed up pretty easily. God says, take my name seriously. Take me seriously. Take God seriously. So what's so important about a name? Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 says this, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So why is God so, so intent on us honoring his name? Why is it so important that, that we, we use his name correctly, that we don't abuse his name? Uh, there, there's three things that God wants us to understand about a name. First, a name is, reveals reputation. It reveals one's reputation. You've heard it said a bunch of times, well, he's making a name for himself, or he has a good name in the community. When somebody's doing some good things, they always say he's got a good name. If somebody has a bad uh, reputation, they say he's got a bad name. Even today, uh, I could shout out a name and it will evoke a certain response from you in, in, in those names that I give. I can say uh, uh, such as a person such like Adolf Hitler. It's going to evoke a response from you. I could say a name such as Martin Luther King. It's going to evoke a response from you. I could say the name such as Donald Trump. It's going to evoke a response from you, either negative or positive. And for some of you, maybe not in this room, the name Elvis might even evoke a response from some of you. Uh, uh, even the younger generation knows who that guy is. You know that? Uh, but the thing is, a name evokes a certain response from you. Why? Because a name, there's a reputation behind that name. Also, it represents one's character. Uh, you know, in, in the biblical times, they would often name uh, a child after a characteristic they wanted that child to have, such as, such as uh, justice or peace or grace. And they would name their child after that, hoping that child would carry on that attribute or that characteristic in, in, in their life. And oftentimes in the Bible, God would take a name and he would change that name to represent a, a change or a characteristic in that person. That's why Abram became Abraham. That's why Jacob became Israel. That's why Simon became Peter. That's why when you become a follower of Christ, your name becomes Christian. Why? Because you take that name with you. There's a reputation behind that name. There's a character behind that name. But also it represents authority. It represents reputation, character, and authority. If you were to get a phone call from an individual at lunchtime today by the name of Donald Brown, you probably would not take that call or have them call you back. However, if you got a phone call from a man by the name of Donald Trump, you would probably take that call right then. Why? Because the name has authority behind it. That's the idea why God takes his name so seriously. Because it represents his reputation. It represents his character. It represents his authority. And God says, you honor my name. You don't misuse my name. Uh, because when you do, you're defaming my reputation, you're defaming my character, and you're defaming my authority. When you don't honor his name and you use it flippantly, you're bringing a disregard to God's name. So how do we use God's name incorrectly? How can I use God's name incorrectly? We'll look at the negative, and then we'll look at the positive. 
Most of us, when we think of this idea of, of misusing God's name, we think of swearing, uh, using his name in, in profanity. And Bar George Barna, a, research, uh, a, a church research specialist, says that 66% of Americans say they have used God's name in vain. They have used God's name swear as a swearing. 66% of Americans. Many, many Americans do this. Can I admit, hey, I have done it. And probably many in you room, this room has done it as well. You've been flippant in your attitude, on your use of that name. <coughs> so, but it's not just swearing. I want to show you four other ways that we misuse God's name. There may be more, but these are the four that stand out. First, we can use God's name to indulge. We excuse ourselves and we blame God for an activity. Uh, we might say something like, well, God told me not to go to church today. Uh, God told me not to give to that offering. God told me that I shouldn't make chili for, for the, uh, the youth uh, thing. Uh, God told me that, that I shouldn't negotiate that business deal. Or, you know, I prayed about it and God told me I shouldn't do it. God gets blamed for a lot of things. But see, we, we use that name to indulge an attitude, indulge a characteristic. I remember in one church where I served as a previous served, uh, one of our young ladies in the church began having an affair with a man who was not her husband. When she was confronted with this sin, with this disobedience, she said, well, God told us to get together. You see, she evoked the name of God to indulge a sinful lifestyle, to indulge something that she wanted to do. So first, we can use God's name to indulge. Second, we can use God's name to intimidate. Some people are pros at this. Uh, they have mastered this. You know, uh, God told me that you should do this. You know, I was speaking to God that he told me what I should tell you. Uh, that type of individual. You know who's really good at this? TV evangelist. Uh, they are really good. Here's what they're saying. God has told me that if you don't send me $10,000 or $1,000, we will have to shut the doors. You know what I'm saying? Shut the doors. Shut the doors. Don't use God's name to intimidate people to do something you want them to do. You know, we, we get this idea that that's from God. You know, they have a name for that. In, in the real world, it's called forgery. There's a lot of people that are spiritual forgers. What they do, forgery, you use somebody else's name to get something you want. We have a lot of spiritual forgers in the world today. You know, they sit there and say, well, God told me, well, then it must be true. You know, if God told them it must be true, well, it may not be. It may not be. So we use God's name to intimidate. We use God's name to indulge. Third, we can use God's name to impress. These are those individuals that use a lot of religious jargon. They use a lot of religious phrases. I see this a lot of times. You know, when they find out that I'm a minister, that uh, they suddenly get all pious. They all of a sudden start using this, this language that I've never heard come from anybody's mouth before. They're saying, so, well, just bless Jesus, praise God. Wasn't that wonderful? They say, oh, bless Jesus, that was such a wonderful sermon. They start using this flowering language to impress an individual. Listen, let me tell you something, folks. Words do not impress me. Actions impress me. <laughs> 
lifestyle impresses me. That's what I get all excited about. I don't really care much uh, about the flattering words. That doesn't mean anything. But many of us are, are, are prone to doing that. It's like, you know, they try to impress us. Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says this, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. We take God's name in vain when we claim to be committed to Him, but we don't back it up with our lifestyle. You know, I hear people say, oh, God is number one in my life. Man, he, He's top dog. He's, he's the number one priority. Are you involved in ministry? Uh, are, 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 are you having a daily quiet time? They go, well, no. Are you involved in ministry? No. Are you reading your Bible? Well, no. Are you tithing? Well, no. What's God to you? Words. It's just words. He doesn't impact my life. We say those things to impress others. Fourth, we can use God's name impulsively. Many of us fall into this trap. It's a convenient expression of fear or a convenient expression of anger. We use it as a source of joy or amazement or surprise. Like, good God, I caught a 10-pound fish. I was watching a flick fixer up for the other day. And as they were revealing the house, the people said, said, oh God, oh God. Now, I didn't expect fixer up to edit that. But we use it as an exclamation point. You know, uh, we use such things as that, like, good Lord, Susie's pregnant. Or, good God, I, I, I split my pants. We, we use it as a wow, as, a, as an aha, as a far out. You know, I can't believe this is happening. That's what we use it for. God says, listen, when you use my name, take it seriously. Don't be flipping about it. Don't use it impulsively. Did you know that we can, be, we can be, use God's impu name impulsively in our, our worship? We do it without thinking. That's what impulsive means, without thinking. And we do it in our worship. You know how it goes? You're sitting here and you're singing a song about God and all of a sudden you start thinking, I wonder what time the Cowboys play today. I wonder if they'll beat Green Bay. Do you think the defense will show up? Jesus, Jesus, I wonder. That's what you do. I do it all the time in sermon preparation. It hits me on Sunday mornings. I'll be sitting there on Sunday mornings, be looking over my sermon, you know, editing out final minutes, and all of a sudden I'll start thinking about what I need to do next week. You know, I, it, that's the way it works. And when we do that, listen, our heart's not in it. We're giving lip service to God. As a matter of fact, there's a Bible passage that says that. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're giving lip service to me, but they're not really into what they're doing. And we're doing it impulsively. Ultimately, we're going through the motions of our worship. There's also a verse that says, when you pray, don't use a lot of meaningless words. My family's going to echo this. You know, you know how you do that? You're about to eat lunch and you're in a hurry. And so you just utter that typical prayer. The one you use all the time. I am so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of that because my wife's cooking is so good. I want to get to it as quick as I can. No. It's just, we don't think about it. We just utter something that's comfortable to us. And I know you do it too. You know, you know Lord, I'll get it there if you keep it there. 
You know, that, that's the way we are. It's a habitual prayer. Listen, God is serious about the misuse of his name. Here we are looking at the top 10 commandments. The, they're not 10 ideas, 10 great suggestions, you know, 10 good thoughts. They're 10 commandments, which means they are to be obeyed. And number three on the top 10 is take his name seriously. This is important stuff. We need, we need to get this down. It's not a minor issue. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 24, it tells a story of a man who is misusing the name of God. This is what it says in verse 16. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. It was a capital offense. In the Old Testament times, if they misused the name of God, they were to be put to death. Let me ask you a question. How many of us would be here today if they still practiced that? How many of us? Listen, this is a serious deal. When you misuse the name of God, when you use His name incorrectly, you are offending the Creator of the universe. And may I just respectfully suggest that you offend somebody else. How about you say, Oh Buddha, from now on. Or Holy Confucius. <laughs> offend them. Instead of offending God. Because He takes it Seriously. God says, don't mess with my name. Because when you, when you mess with my name, when you use my name incorrectly, it's destroying my reputation, it's destroying my character, it's destroying my authority. And when you laugh at somebody who's using the name of God in vain, or somebody that uses the name of Jesus, guess what? You're egging them on. You're joining them, you're joining them in their sin. We ought to treat his name with awe, with reverence, with respect. Most of us, if we're honest, we need to bow our heads right now and admit to God that we've misused his name, that we have brought shame to his name. That's how we use his name incorrectly. So how can I use his name correctly? How can I use his name correctly? Notice I put I under, not you. Because I want y'all to know I struggle with this too. God promises blessings to people that will honor his name. It's throughout the Bible. There's thousands of verses or hundreds of verses that, that talk about uh, honoring God. And God promises uh, many things. If you honor my name, I will, I will bless you in ways you can't even begin to understand. Incredible blessings. I challenge you. Go through and look at the Bible and, and see the blessings. God takes his name seriously. So how do we use his name correctly? First, reverence God's name continually. You ought to respect his name. You ought to do it as an act of worship to him. Don't use his name flippantly. When you use his name, mean it in your heart. Psalm 29 verse 2 says this. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Because you're trying to honor God, you want to give glory to His name, there are certain things you do not watch. There are certain things you do not read. There are certain things you do not listen to. Your mind is like a computer. Garbage in, garbage out. That, that's the way it is. What's in your mind eventually becomes a lifestyle that you live. If you hear it enough, it's going to slip out in your life. I know what it is. You hear it, it's how it doesn't really bother me. You know, well, it bothers God. 
You say, well, I can tune it out. And trust me, I am the world's best at tuning it out. I was in the Navy for four years. They invent language in the Navy. They have, they have words in the Navy. They use them as verbs, as adjectives, as adverbs, as pronouns, as nouns, as names of people. And it's all the same word. You can't say anything that shocks me. And I use many of the same words. So what happens is the more you hear it, it rolls off your back. It doesn't bother you. And that's the way it is with many of us. We, we say we can tune it out. Some people say, then it must not, you must not really love God very much because it makes God mad. If somebody misuses my wife's name, guess what? I'm going to stand up for. Why? Because love demands action. You wouldn't let somebody talk about your mama that way. You would stand up for your mama. Why don't we stand up for the name of God, for the name of Jesus, when we hear it being used inappropriately? See, that, that idea of reverence involves not, not only pr protecting God's name, but also knowing it. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10 says this, Those who know your name will trust in you. Do you know God? Do you know his names? There's over a hundred names for God in the Bible. If you only know one name of God, you don't really know God. When you get to know the names of God, you get to know about his character. You get to know about his reputation. You get to know about his authority. And then you really begin to understand who God is. And the more you know who God is, the more you love God. And the more you want to honor him in the way you live, in the way you talk. If you only know one name of God, you're missing out on so many blessings. So first, you reverence God's name continually. Second, you represent God's name clearly. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, The Lord knows who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Did you hear that? Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Our lifestyle can misuse the name of God. If you call yourself a Christian, then act like one. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then act like a follower of Jesus. Don't drag Christ's name through the gutter. Your walk must match your talk. Years ago when I brought my son Jameson from Illinois to Baylor to go to school, dropped him off, Gabby didn't get to come, and we had that little father-son talk. Um, and, and I told him, I said, Jameson, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have any money. I don't have any wealth to give you. All I have to give you is my name. That's it. I said, Jameson, don't take my name anywhere you wouldn't want me to go. Jameson, don't say something that will bring shame to my name and don't do anything that would bring shame to my name. Listen, God says the same thing to each one of us. We bear his name. Therefore, we shouldn't do anything, we shouldn't say anything, and we shouldn't go anywhere that's going to bring shame to his name. That's what God wants from us. We represent God here on this earth. There's two reasons. Many people never come to Christ. They've never met a Christian. 
or they've met a Christian and they don't look any different from them. They say, oh, I, I see that individual. He's a Christian, but he's the same as I am. Why would I want to go and follow and be like him? And so we're not proclaiming the name of Jesus because of the way we live our lives. If you claim to be a believer and you aren't any different than the world around you, guess what? All you are is a bad advertisement. That's all you are. It's kind of like a guy wearing a, wearing a Gold's Gym shirt and he's 400 pounds overweight. <laughs> That's a bad illustration, but you get the point. You get the point. That's the way it is. The thing is that God will hold us accountable. God will hold us accountable. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the truth. People are watching and they are evaluating us. We are to guard our mouths, guard our actions, guard our doings so that we can bring honor to His name. Third, rely on God's name completely. Psalm 33 verse 21 says this, In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. There are thousands of verses in the Bible that says what God has made a number of promises to honor His name. If we honor His name, God's going to do certain things. Whatever you do, you should do it in the name of the Lord, trusting and relying on His name. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So why do we pray in Jesus' name? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, we are not holy and we are not righteous and we do not have a right to go before a holy and righteous God. Not a one of us. We don't. And so because we don't have a right to go in, in the presence of God, we go in the, in, in the presence of one who has access. That's Jesus Christ. We don't go on our own power. We don't go on our own ability. We don't go on our own name. We go in the power and the ability, the authority, and the name of Jesus. It's the way we do it. Jesus is the, is, is the bridge. Jesus is the one that gives us access to a holy God because all we do is defame his name. All we do is bring shame to his name. So we need to go to God through Jesus. And the bad news is, that you are going to be judged one day for every idle word you've ever said. Matthew 12, verse 36 says this, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. I hate that verse. It says you will have, on the day of judgment, we will have to give account for every careless word I've spoken. You know why I hate that verse? Because it reminds me of every careless word I've ever spoken. Every time I've used his name wrong, every time I haven't lived up to that name, I'll have to pay. I'll have to give an account for it. Every one of us will have to give an account for the careless words we have spoken. But there's some good news. Aren't you glad there's good news? You can skip the judgment. You can skip the judgment. How? Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Here's how you skip the judgment. You see, God, Jesus, took that judgment for you. And so when you stand before God, he doesn't call you into account for every name, every careless word you say. Why? Because your judgment has fallen on Jesus. He saves us from the judgment. He makes a way for us to be forgiven. John 20 verse 31 says this, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, look at that, in His name. In His name you have life. Not in your name. You have no ability. There is no salvation in your name. There's only salvation in believing in His name. That's the only way it is ever going to happen. And here's the thing. When we think about this command, just this one command, we've all broken it. Every one of us. We all stand guilty before God of breaking this third commandment. We are doomed. We don't have a chance. We don't have a, we're like a snowball in a hot place. We don't have a chance whatsoever. We're doomed. Unless we get a Savior. And a Savior is available to us in Jesus Christ. I don't know if this is applicable for you, but how many of you when you were younger got your mouth washed out with soap? Anybody? John, few, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, probably for Jeremy, it was lava. Lava soap. You know? <laughs> you know, it didn't do any good, did it? No. It, it tasted bad, but it didn't really change what was coming. Why? Because it's, the mouth's not the problem. It's what's in your heart. See, what's inside is what comes out. You have to change what's inside of you to do that. Whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out when the world puts pressure on you. Listen, if you're full of anger and you're full of hostility, hostility and you're full of resentment, uh, racism, prejudice, when the world begins to put pressure on you, you know what's going to come out? Anger, hostility, resentment, racism, prejudice, whatever. Think about it. But if you're full of love and you're full of peace and you're full of hope, when the world puts pressure on you, what's going to come out? Love, peace, and hope. It's kind of like squeezing toothpaste. When you sque squeeze the toothpaste tube, what comes out? Toothpaste. Because that's what's inside of it. What's inside you? So that when the world squeezes you, what's going to come out? What's going to come out of you? Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. God says, don't misuse my name. Perhaps like me, you are guilty of misusing his name. Why do you do? What can you do? The first thing, you got to tell God you're sorry. Say, God, I'm sorry I misused your name. I didn't know how serious you were about your name. Second, you ought to ask his forgiveness. Say you're sorry. Ask his forgiveness. Say, God, I need you to forgive me for misusing your name. Third, commit the problem and your life to God. Say you're, ask for forgiveness. 
Say you're sorry, ask forgiveness, then commit the problems in your life to God. Say something like this, Jesus Christ, come into my life and give me that new heart. Give me a new tongue so that I can reflect you in my actions and in my life. And then once you've done that, you've got to begin controlling what you allow in your mind. There's some things you don't watch. There's some things you don't read. There's some things you don't listen to. There's some places you don't go. Why? Because you're trying to protect what you're putting in your life. So you tell God you're sorry. You ask for forgiveness. You commit that problem in your life to God. Then you begin controlling what you allow in your mind. And fifth, and this is probably the one most appropriate for us. Remember that God is with you at all times. God is with you all the time. That's what the Bible says. At the end of the, end of the Great Commission, Jesus said, and remember, I'm with you to the end of the earth. I'm into the ages. I'm always with you. Most of us would not say certain things, would not do certain things, would not go certain places if we knew that Jesus was right beside us. We wouldn't do it. How many of you are going to talk smack about your wife when your wife's right there beside you? How many of you are going to talk smack about your, your husband or your boyfriend when he's right there beside you? You're not going to do it. The same thing, if you think of Jesus as right there with you wherever you go, you're going to watch what you do. You're going to watch what you say. You're going to watch where you go. So that's what you have to do. Now for some of you today, Maybe you need to take that first step and say, you know, I can't do any of this because I'm guilty of breaking the commandments because I don't have a Savior. I don't have an advocate. I don't have one that will stand in the gap for me between my sin and God. Your sin keeps you from God. But there's a way you overcome that. That's by letting Jesus Christ take your sin upon himself. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin become sin for you so that you might experience the righteousness of God. Jesus, the perfect, sinless Savior of the world, took all of your sins upon himself so that you could be forgiven and so that you could have access to God, a holy God. 1 Timothy says that God is on one side and man is on the other side and in between is the great mediator, Jesus Christ, who bridges the gap between man and and God. Some of you, for the very first time, you say, I need a Savior. For others of you, you're a believer, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, but He hasn't, you haven't really surrendered lordship to Him. You still got a part of your life where you're in control. Say, so Jesus, you're mine on Sunday, and I'm going to worship you, but God, I really want to live my life this way the rest of the week. God says, look, it's either all of me or none of me. The minute you say, no God, no Lord, he's no longer your Lord. Some of you, you've got to get your heart right and say, I know you as my, my Savior, but I really need you to take control of my life. And I want to bring honor to you wherever I go. I want to bring fame to the name that I say I proclaim is what you want to do. For some of you, you need to get right with God. Baptists, we call that rededication. Uh, we, we call that you know, getting back in tune with God. For some of you, maybe you say, you know, I want to be a part of a church. We can tell you how to do that. Uh, no, no commitment. I mean, you don't have to do that. But if you'd like to be a part of this church where you can use your talents and use your abilities in the service of kingdom work here at Western Heights, we'd love to have you. And we can tell you how to do that. The praise team is going to come and lead us in a song. We're going to stand together.